Assalamu alaikum, guys. Welcome to the Gapped Podcast. This is, of course, our segment into shifting tech, our second episode. So if you haven't listened to episode one, I I do uh, recommend checking that out. We have a great team with us, Tarek Taj. We now have Zainab joining us as well. And Izzat, all the way from Malaysia. Uh, so I'll start with you, Tarek. Assalamu alaikum. How are you doing? Thanks, Alhamdulillah. Yeah, fine. Thank you. Yeah. How, how's your recovery going back on the bike? How's that going? Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, uh, um, alhamdulillah, was that I managed to get back on the turbo this week and do a few a few sessions. So yeah, felt a bit more normal, turning my legs again. Brilliant. Uh, how long before you're outside? Uh, probably March. Oh, um, oh. March. ouch. Okay. Inshallah. So, uh, a bit longer. Um, yeah, but inshallah, I just try to build up my fitness now. Inshallah. Quick recovery, inshallah. Taj, I think uh, every every listener is wondering if you actually completed the uh, festive five hundred this year, or rather last year. Um, yes, yeah, look everyone. Um, yes, yeah, so I did manage to do it as well this year. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Um, I think the weather in the UK was pretty good, pretty decent. Um, there were some obviously wet spells, but I think generally uh, managed to do something a bit different this year and uh, did did manage to wrap up uh festive 500 nice. um yeah again for another year <laughs> did you do that uh all outside by the way i didn't check i think about 80 percent outside i'd say nice. um so i think the first first day we started off by doing something different so uh brother glenn uh an earth fan uh from the bob club uh we decided to do a bit of strava artwork <laughs> this year um, so our first day uh, on the 24th we did uh i think the route was about 120 kilometers um, and it was basically like a reindeer across the, the whole of London. Um, so we did that uh, <laughs> ride, uh, which took us about, what, 10 hours, I think. We started about eight or nine and finished around about six. Yeah, uh, it was a long day, not going to lie. It started, it started getting wet towards the end and really dark. Uh, but yeah, we started off with a with a bang like like we normally do. Uh, but this time, um, a bit a bit a lot slower, let's say, and uh, a lot more um, visual. Um, so it was, it was a good it was a good good thing to do. Um, and obviously, the the, the rides um, across the following week were a lot easier because we started off uh, with such a big uh, tally to begin with. Yeah, mental mental. Um, kudos to you guys doing that because uh, I, I don't think I could um, in that cold uh, in and out of London. Terrific. Uh, is it you started the year with a bang um, while uh, most of us were probably having a lion on our bank holiday here in the UK? You actually went out and raced, um, if I'm not mistaken, and you got a pretty good result. How'd that go? Is it? Well, let's see if the mic works. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but can you hear the voice though? Like, is it okay? Is it? We're going to come back to you. I think the. Mike's okay, a bit, cool. yeah, it's a bit echoey. Zainab, uh, welcome to the podcast for the first time. Um, everyone here has so far had their own episode in some way, shape, or form, and we'll get yours as well, inshallah. But uh, inshallah. welcome to the team. We appreciate your uh, appreciate you jumping on your expertise and whatnot. Just uh, maybe just for the listeners in that case, just uh, tell us a, a bit about yourself, and then uh, we'll jump onto the pod. Oh, brilliant! Well, assalamualaikum. Hello everyone. God, this is a bit of the, the CV bit. I'll, I'll keep it short. Um, so I'm a, a mother, wife and cyclist, potentially not in that order, depending upon who you ask. Um, 
I would consider myself as an endurance cyclist, um, but I do like all types of, of the, the cycling genre. Um, I've got playlists on endurance and ultra marathons and everything just to get me through the turbo on those uh, long workout sessions. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm a trustee for a Muslim women's cycling charity called Cycle Sisters, and uh, we are looking to expand our road club. So I'm a ride captain there as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, we've got you on, Zaina, because I guess in many ways you're at the forefront of the Muslim cycling scene here in the UK, at least, and maybe even the wider um, the, Europe, I, I guess. Th- I think that's quite generous there, Janine. No, come I'll on. Take it. <laughs> and uh, I guess you were in it for a lot longer than most as well. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's brilliant what you're doing and uh, ride leading and getting so many more people into the sport that we all love and trying to grow effectively. So um, this episode, guys, is all on nutrition. Um, We have Tarek, who has in-depth knowledge on it, but we'll obviously all add our takes on it as well. So over to you, Tarek, introduce nutrition and why it's important. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, mean, all of us are cyclists uh, here, and I think one of the key things is that um, people will try to improve different facets of the sport, whether that's um, working out, uh, as we talked about, improving our FTP, um, getting better kit or bikes or wheels and, and the rest, uh, working with a coach as well. So, so all these things are really important. I think on my journey, um, I also realized that one of the areas um, which was a weakness of mine was actually the, like the nutrition part um, and having kind of worked with some sports nutritionists um, from different um, uh, parts of the sport um, kind of learned quite a lot from there um, but also just um, I generally ride with quite a lot of friends and different groups and one of the areas which I see a lot of people um, prob- prob- probably don't pay as much attention as I think that we should is on the nutritional as- aspect um, I know that Zeta mentioned that she's an en- endurance kind of focus cyclist but I think ultimately Cycling is an endurance sport, um, and and therefore we need to f- f- fuel it um, accordingly. Um, so all of us will ride different things. So we've got people on Zwift, like we've already mentioned. Um, we mentioned Taj has done like the Festive 500 and and done his artwork as well. But all these things take up a lot of energy, and probably more energy than we actually um, think about. Um, so I think one of the key things here is to try and understand how does the body work a little bit? Um, what do we need a cyclist? Um, what, does, what, what does good look like? And also um, what does um, bad look like as well? And, and then I'm sure that we've all got different stories where we've either hit the wall, uh, bonked as people would often say. Um, so maybe if I just reach out to everyone, so maybe go back to Junaid, um, can you give us a story where you think where you've where you've fueled poorly or where you've bonked or something. Do you have any funny stories that you can share with us? So that was a question for Junaid. So there's too many stories, Tarek. Like um, most came in the early years of riding because lack of knowledge, I guess, in many ways. Um, And I guess uh, bravado and trying to quote unquote be a man (laughs) <laughs> but you quickly realize that it's not fun doing that. Um, so there's many times where I've had to walk up a hill just because 
I've run out of energy. Um, actually, recently I went out um, for a festive 500 ride. I didn't complete it in the end, but uh, it was a 95 mile ride. Uh, it turned out to be a lot slower than expected. Uh, and therefore I was on the road a lot longer than I expected as well. So sometimes that can catch you out and um, just taking fuel for the colder rides, uh, I feel is very important because your body is also using up energy to keep warm. And, um, and especially if you're going slower than usual, you're going to be out on the road uh, a lot longer. And that also means you need to fuel that extra 20 minutes, half an hour or an hour, you're going to be out there. So I do have uh, horror stories, but um, I'd prefer not to share them, you know, <laughs> brings back bad memories. No problem. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think that is some good points already that you mentioned there. So I think there are lots of considerations. And I know that we've had a few questions uh, on the Instagram as well, uh, which we can walk through as well. But our cycling takes very different forms. So we've got people on Zwift. So um, indoor cycling, which has its own different kind of um, uh, kind of unique hydration and nutrition requirements. Um, as you mentioned there, winter riding is very different. And often people, um, like you said, underfuel and actually underhydrate as well because they think that they don't need it. But actually, you end up building like a little bit of a um, um, microclimate within yourself to keep yourself warm. So actually, some people may add that you may need more uh, more fuel uh, and obviously riding in the summer is obviously very different and especially when we go on very long rides so maybe going to Zenob who's um obviously does a lot more endurance riding are there any thoughts from your perspective on on fueling like kind of the longer rides or any any experiences that you can share yeah yeah definitely I mean I think um it it depends what we classify as a as a longer ride um, I mean, for me, anything above like 30 miles, which is your normal club ride, would be like a, a like a slightly longer endurance ride for me. Um, and what I it took me a long time, and it took my my coach actually putting it in my plan to write down what I've eaten on the ride for me to actually pay attention to my nutrition, because I was very much of the well, there'll be a coffee stop, so I'll stop and I'll I'll have a snack there and then get through and and realise that actually when I was getting home I was shattered when I shouldn't have been um so I I took the time to sit down and went with my coach around what exactly I needed and we broke it down into potentially hour intervals uh or depending upon the duration mileage um and for me it's it's having the 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 easy to eat and digest food on the bike so I have dates um and then having hydration in my water bottle because again sometimes it's easier to drink it then eat it depending upon how comfortable you are with with your bike handling on, on the bike but it takes a conscious effort um to make sure as part of your your planning so you pump up your tires you check your bike you pack your nutrition and you you know you plan what you're going to eat the day before it takes a bit more thinking um and riding with someone as well i find that that's that's really helpful if you're riding in 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 a pair because you can remind each other you know have have you had something to eat have you have you had a drink um yeah yeah sure yeah yeah and that's really important i mean is one of the points i wanted to, to discuss about about planning and i think it's like you said like most of us check our tire pressures or most people should uh, check the tire pressures make sure that they've got i don't know their map loaded on the computer and make sure that they bring the helmet and stuff but often i think we pay less attention to food um so i think for me planning is really important 
um, like you mentioned, um, and planning the day before and actually thinking about what ride are you going to do. Um, so like you said, I think if we split it down um, into different kind of length rides, so I think anything under an hour, you can generally get away with not eating a lot. Um, but I again recommend probably like a banana or something small, just so you've got some fuel inside the system. But most people like if you're eating regularly should have enough um, kind of e e energy stores. So depending on the, obviously the workout, if it's a quite an intense workout, then obviously then you need to fuel that ride. One of the things that I think um, one of the key um, kind of headlines or maybe uh, lines that I'd like people to take away is that people should fuel for the ride or some people put fuel for the what's required. Um, and that's one of the key things um, so whether it's a short ride or, or a longer ride, it's really important that people plan for that. And it, if you plan, then you generally will feel a lot um, better on the ride. You want to end up like Junaid, walking up a hill, hopefully. Um, um, but yeah, but, but I think that you'll be in a better place. But if we turn kind of to um, some of the science parts of it, and I won't go into it in detail, you can read about it. There's probably m many more qualified people than me um, on this on this subject, but the key things is that your body needs carbohydrates. Um, it it needs energy store. I mean, it's got an energy store, so it stores your kind of carbohydrates in glycogen stores within your body. So those are split between the well, like the muscle, the liver, uh, and the brain. With most of it, eighty percent of it goes into the muscle stores. Um, and so generally, uh, you would say if you eat a balanced diet, um, then you should generally have about 60 to 90 minutes worth of fuel within your glycogen stores. Um, now, within, say, the carbohydrate space, the, the two most important ones are glucose and fructose. Um, and the theories on this change, and obviously as research changes as well, um, but generally, people would say you should aim to be eating around 60 grams of carbs um, an hour. Um, if you're doing a less intense ride, then maybe a bit less. And if you're doing more intense rides, then maybe a bit more. Um, so generally, for quite a long time, people thought that the ceiling was about 60 grams and therefore your body wouldn't use any more. Um, as the research has gone on, people have said actually 60 to 90 grams even 120 grams with a with a mix of glucose and fructose. Um, yeah, that's that's what I've seen, Tarek. Um, especially recently, um, I think there's a lot more. How do you say they're talking about training your gut to do be able to do that as well? I don't think it's something you can have naturally. You can't just start taking 120 grams of carbs and expect your body to process that. I think uh, that's where the research is headed, and I think. It's something, I don't know if you've seen this, Eric, but I think it's something you have to train yourself to be able to do. Um, it's not something you just expect overnight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 100%, I think these things take time. Was that, the other thing is to consume that much food is quite hard. Um, yeah, um, yeah, 100%. And, and it also depends where you take it from now. Um, over the years, I've come to realise the certain foods. So I think one of the key points here is, one, as, as you mentioned, to train it. So you have to um, actually um, try it, go out on your test ride and try eating this amount. As yeah. Zena mentioned, plan your ride. So, for example, I've just got a few bits here. So, like, 
a banana is like 25 grams, three dates is about 18 grams, saurine is about 17 grams, a gel from like Velofort, which I've got on my desk at the moment, it's 22 grams, a Velofort ball is 37 grams, and a can of Coke is about 40 grams. So that just gives you a few things. And as I think they mentioned also like um, something like a energy drink, was that it all depends on the on kind of what you're doing um it's not always easy to keep eating so having a water substitute can give you 40 to 60 grams of carbs as well have you looked into beta fuel Tarek? that one that one apparently is uh not apparently but they have some sort of combination of fructose and uh, glucose which then allows your body to take in twice as many carbs in one go um yeah, and, yeah. I, and i think one yeah. for me yeah yeah, Taj, uh, yeah, yeah I, it's something i use as well on the big yeah. big endurance rides where i know it's going to be tough uh perhaps a little pacey as well um it's something i rely on it's uh and i think it packs in about 80 or 90 grams per bottle if i'm not mistaken Taj. yeah exactly they come in like those sachets i think scientists yeah. will make them um yeah. and yeah i mean it's exactly what i use in the festive 500 as well actually during some of our rides yeah especially the long ones yeah the lip, just, the yeah there, there is a golden ratio that they've worked out so yeah it's like 0.8 uh ratio between glucose and fructose i think yeah but uh, as you mentioned Tarek, it, it seems like it's new research that obviously the beta few only came out uh, I think in 2017, 2018, Chris Froome used it to great effect um, at the Giro. He was down um, and then he pulled away. Uh, there was a famous stage. I can't remember which one it was. And, uh, yeah, I think it's about 80 kilometers away or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he broke away solo. Um, it, it's unlike Chris Froome. And uh, they put that down to his feuding on that day. And uh, a lot of that was the beta fuel. So it is pricey. Um, it's a bit thicker than other energy drinks um and it's something i only use on special occasions for that reason um it, like i said it's it's a bit pricier than the others and it's not something i want to get used to drinking all the time as well um we'll probably touch on that i'm sure you've got something coming up Tarek, whereby um zahir mentioned this as well uh, on instagram he was just talking about the health implications of having such um nutrition on the bike especially constantly so i am i am wary about going in too much into the, the, these things but um, the beta fuel is uh, something I do rely on uh, they've come out with a newer range I haven't touched on it but uh, or tried it it's the gels and all the other gummy gummy sweets as well I think uh, beta gummy yeah, sweets yeah I've, I've got them as well they're very good actually they're a yeah. lifesaver especially okay. when you're on the uh, yeah on, on the river and, and about to bonk yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um, so yeah Back to you, Tarek. Um, what what what's what's in your bottle? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, generally, my. I mean, I think one of the other things is about um, one of the things I mentioned about palate fatigue. Yeah. Um. So this is really important. So I've kind of played around with different foods that I like, and going back to like and um, beta fuel and and other products. I think a lot of these products are there for convenience and yeah, ease. Yeah, that's right. Um, um, but they all often do come with a, a decent price tag. And I think one of the things that people, um, when I work with cyclists who are either getting into cyclists or been cycling for a while and haven't ne necessarily paid a lot of attention to fuel, kind of um, their eyes open once they start looking at the costs of things. Yeah, that's um, right. And, and obviously everyone's got their own di different means. But I think what I've learned is actually... Um, these things are there for convenience and they have a place 
Um, and like you said, if you're doing a big, um, I don't know, like a big race or something or you need to push on, then having that um, beta fuel or Morton bag or whatever it is, um, is great. Um, but actually day to day, so probably 80% of my riding, I try to use stuff that I can buy from a supermarket. Um, so for me, um, things like dates, uh, I think Susanna mentioned again, great source, easy to source, cheap generally. Um, and for me, the taste nice as well. Um, Saurine bars, I know this is a bit of a mixed bag, but some people like them, some people don't, but I just find them convenient. Um, and then even just like jelly sweets as well. So again, just not, so not necessarily cycling specific ones, but ultimately that they've got carbs um, in them, but then also fruits as well. Um, and also things that you can pick up from a petrol station as well. Um, but then, yeah, I'll always keep like a little gel. Um, I'll, I like the Velofort gels because they're a bit more um, so natural. Um, so I keep a couple of those mainly for emergencies. Um, but generally, the fueling's kind of generally okay. Um, so I generally don't use them unless I want to mix things up. And then I think the other thing is use that cafe stop. Um, I know sometimes people like to um, get out on a ride and hit the ride and not stop. Uh, but I think a cafe stop's great. Um, so particularly when we're talking like longer than three, four hour rides, your body also needs protein as well because your um, muscles start to break down. So getting to a cafe stop has quite a few benefits. One, most you can use the loo and the facilities and stuff. Um, secondly, it allows you to break away from your um, sugary food that you've been eating and get a sandwich or a, I don't like a tuna baguette or something or cheese or just something just to break up the um, palate um, from just eating constant sugary things as well. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's some good tips and that's where I start as well, Tarek. Most most of mine are the cheap stuff you get in supermarkets, so <laughs> so I'm not relying on just gels and whatnot. But I do definitely keep a gel for when I'm on those faster rides or as backup on a longer ride. Um, it's like the last piece of nutrition I use to get me home, kind of thing. So yeah, um, good points there. Yeah. So so then so I. I just wanted to ask a question to the team as well. What do you normally eat pre-ride? So what do you eat so before the ride? So like in the morning of a ride, if you took, I don't know, do a three, four hour ride, what what would you eat um, in the morning? So maybe go to Taj first. So what, what's your um, yeah, go-to? So, yeah, so normally, normally on, a, on a shorter ride, so around one hour to two hours, I, I'd probably eat just a banana or something. Uh, so I'm quite light. Um, usually it's because it's very early in the morning and I, and I don't have the appetite uh, to have a, a decent breakfast. Right. Um, but on anything longer than, let's say, two, two, three hours, um, I do I do I do tend to have a bit of porridge. So I normally get one of those with the Quakers uh, sachets um, with the golden syrup. I love that. Um, so I have one of those, uh, a bowl of those uh, and then maybe a cup of tea uh, to wake me up as well. Uh, and then if I get if I still have some um you know space in my stomach i tend to have like a half a banana or probably a banana just before I, i'm about to leave the home um so yeah that's just enough so i can get to let's say uh you know two hours in and uh, by then we're usually you know at a cafe stop so i can refuel for the ride back um but yeah uh, i normally go pretty light uh because especially riding early in the morning the the appetite uh for, for a big breakfast is just not there um but yeah that's that's how i that's how i normally feel yeah 
Thanks, Taj. And Zeneb, what what what's your go-to pre-ride? Go to. It's very similar to to you, Taj. Um, I suppose I'm I'm slightly naughtier on on a one to two hour ride. I wouldn't have anything. Um, I would have to have coffee because I just can't function without that in the morning. But I would just go out. Um, because it's one to two hours <clears throat> and again it's probably not recommended and I'll just I'll just ride it but anything longer um, um, rolled oats with a bit of uh, Biscoff paste that's my porridge in the morning um, and that's like if I'm if I'm riding like three to four hours with obviously a break in the middle um, I find that that keeps me going but you need to have the coffee coffee for me I think it's the caffeine kick that I think that's also something that's in some of the the energy um, bars and, and stuff that you can buy is, is the caffeine element. I'm not quite sure whether that's psychological or if it has anything behind it, um, but that does seem to help me in the mornings. Yeah, I mean, was that there is a that there is a proven performance benefit for having caffeine? Um, I can't remember the exact dosage amount, but it's probably more than you think. Um, so yeah, so there is definitely a a big a big um, um, impact that caffeine has on performance. Yeah. Um, it's almost like wife. a legal drug, isn't it? Caffeine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it is. I mean, if you yeah. think, I mean, <laughs> it definitely Sorry. caffeine definitely works because uh, I just feel like it dulls the muscles a bit. Like it mm. it delays any pain. So when I'm uh, pushing some intervals where whereby they usually hurt, if I've had caffeine, it's like oh, actually I can. It doesn't quite hurt at this wattage. Uh, I could probably push a bit more. So definitely, and it's obviously proven and whatnot uh, for most people. Um, it's one of those drugs that doesn't always work, especially if you've just uh, dosed yourself in caffeine all your life and you have like what, <laughs> four coffees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still... Isn't that a cyclist thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're all I immune. We I mean... have a whole chapter on uh, podcasts on caffeine. I think, on caffeine. Case. They, they yeah. should really have the coffee stops at the, uh, before the hills, you know, like when, when you go abroad, it's always at the top. You have your, your cafe stop. They need it at the bottom oh, so yeah. you can have your, your shot of espresso or whatever. No, you're... but at the cafe stop, you're also having a cake, right? So you're fattening yourself yeah, up. So well... the descent is quicker, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, you got something to achieve, yeah. <laughs> and, top. and is it? Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, speaking of a cafe stop before hill, yeah, I remember a few months back, I was. Before I was climbing Winnet's Pass. Oh, yeah. Start oh, in the Hope Valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Peak District here in the UK, mm. yeah. Yeah, it was a lifesaver. <laughs> yeah, you came in, what, October time, where it's uh, dull up there. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough climb. Did you manage to get up without walking, yeah? Yeah, I did. Yeah, just barely. Yeah, that's probably because you weigh, what, 40 kg or something? <laughs> just, yeah, just put in that right, other. yeah. <laughs> oh, would love to weigh that much yeah so uh I'll, I'll come i'll come i'll bring it to myself so i i ride most of the time 6 a.m or earlier um so whether it's a long ride or not uh it's that's the time i'm out so it doesn't actually allow much time to digest food right so uh in the morning it's literally maybe a coffee um it might be a banana and like one or two biscuits that's probably all i can get in uh if i have anything more i'm going to be carrying that going into the ride going to be slow and sluggish uh so yeah i'll quickly have just literally a small cup of coffee uh banana and uh like a biscuit or two um i'm not sure i can take down anything more uh if i was to have something later like a ride later which is super rare 
I'd probably have literally a cereal. But um, yeah, I've just got used to that routine of living off very little. So that's me. Is mm. it what? What do you have before, right? Uh, well, it depends. Um, I'm a bit like you. Like I start quite early in the morning. Yeah. So this, the window is very short. Probably like yeah. like an hour before. Yeah. Before I ride or something. Um, but normally I just 15 minutes before I start my rides, I just dump a gel in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just dump a gel in. Yeah, I need something. Yeah, so I just get a gel in. And then if I can't get that, at least uh, like a double shot espresso uh, okay. works wonders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, so Tarek, back to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. so it's quite interesting just to hear the different thoughts um, from different people. I mean, I mean, ultimately, like, people got to do what works for them as well. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, so I played around with this and I said, I, was, I worked with, um, so Will Gerling from Education First um, on some, on kind of um, optimal um, approaches throughout the ride and be pre. So like I used to go out on a Wednesday morning ride and leave my house about half past six, quarter to seven. So probably similar to you, Janae, and a few others are like early starts and how do you digest food? But I would probably take in about, 80 grams of carbs in the morning um pre so pre that ride because it was a bit of a hard to flat ride um but then i kind of went to like toast with jam um a glass of orange juice a fruit juice um and maybe a banana and that roughly came to about 80 grams which um yeah i mean that that kind of worked for me and as i kind of started to focus on um what to eat pre-ride then that definitely helped me during the ride as well and it also meant I didn't need to ride, eat as much during the ride as well. Um, so I think there is a place for um, trying to eat pre-ride. Um, yeah. But obviously everyone's different. And some people, just, as uh, I think Taj mentioned, just don't like to eat much in the mornings. But I definitely think it's somewhat worth playing with. Um, and I'm very much a carb counter. So I turn every packet around just to understand what's in the food. And I think that's ultimately... Um, where I think I took my interest from, try to understand what I'm eating, what what the benefits are. Um, and the other thing what I learned also was that try to avoid food with high fat contents because uh, that can inhibit um, the kind of the carbohydrate intake into the body as well. So it, it doesn't mean that you don't need fat um, because you do, but um, maybe at the start, probably limit how much fat you're going to take. Yeah, uh... Just touching on that, Tarek, um, recently I've seen coaches, uh, of course, uh, fasted rides do have their place, uh, but I, I find like coaches are now going away. I think there was a whole fad about that recently, but I think they're slowly going away. Coaches are actually saying fuel your rides because otherwise you're either playing catch up on the ride, but if it's a short ride, you're playing catch up afterwards and you can put yourself in a fairly big hole if you don't feel that uh, fuel yourself properly afterwards. So I think yeah. there's there's a new new uh, narrative coming along, um, a new research, and coaches are now talking about um, you know fueling yourself properly before, during, and then after as well, um, just so you can stay on top of your training. But that's probably more to do with people who are pushing themselves, uh, trying to eke out those extra wattages, as opposed to someone who is trying to cycle and lose weight. That's obviously um a different kettle of fish uh, yeah. but you still need to fuel your fuel your ride of course yeah i mean maybe if we just touch upon weight loss as well um yeah. just briefly so i think one of the key things that people need to take away is that um 
you will generally be in a calorie deficit during a ride. Yeah. So most of your rides, if not all of them, you, that you'll always be in a calorie deficit. You'll yeah. generally never um, eat eat more than you burn, and that's and that's one key thing to take away. So um, one of the advice I've been given is um, when you want to eat like things that you like, eat it on the ride. So then you associate. Um, those things don't, with don't riding. diet on the bike kind of thing that's where you yeah. can just yeah. eat whatever yeah. you feel like eating <laughs> yeah but because that the reason is is then when you're off the bike and when you don't train like for example i've not been training for um the best part of three months and it's not necessarily worked fully for me but it just means because you're associating with the bike then when you're not riding then you're not eating those things either um so the the, the whole point is like you mentioned fuel for the ride and then think about what are your requirements. And generally, generally in, in my experience, because I went through a bit of a try to lose weight on the bike and it didn't work. And it's only when I reached out to sports nutritionists to understand it, then I kind of learned more. And then I was able to lose weight whilst um, maintaining power and, and getting fitter um, uh, without necessarily huge changes in, in my diet. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, coming back to your fasted rides um there there has been like you said a bit of a fad around it i'd say um but the new kind of direction people are saying is yeah fuel for the ride irrespective of what you're doing there are some benefits to fasted riding um but i'd probably recommend people don't do it too often yeah um, that's yeah that's kind of yeah I think, I think that goes for training as well isn't it when you're, when you're working on the turbo yeah um i think, think um there's a lot of podcasts and especially with train road podcast which are pretty good <laughs> as well for nutrition yeah i think they do recommend that um when you're when you're doing a workout and you need to hit those numbers don't you know do whatever you can to make sure you hit those numbers don't don't yeah don't don't put you in a position where um you know you're hungry or you're bonking uh, and you're failing the workout it's been more beneficial to actually hit those numbers hit your training goals rather than diet on the bike whilst you're training yeah definitely uh few of the ride and uh you'll see especially on the longer rides you like new like i said the science is coming out now whereby they've got they, they keep talking about all these riders breaking records and there's uh, um how do you say there's uh people thinking it's perhaps doping but i think there's new science into nutrition and they are just eating so much more and so much better and fueling so much better so it's allowing them to hold numbers towards the end of a ride per, uh, like uh, or a stage rather and still push out some hefty numbers going up climb so i think we will continue to see uh those um, records being broken on some of the key climbs up the Tour de France and whatnot, um, just as they become smarter on all things nutrition. And there is a lot more coming through. So it's probably a podcast worth doing again in about a year's time as more comes out from the pros and uh, coaches and all the papers. Um, but yeah, um, just a few takeaways, Tarek, if you, if you want to wrap up then. Yeah, sure. So I think um, um, a couple of things are just signs on the, I think signs of poor fueling is something everyone should um, think about. So um, as we mentioned on the pod, bonking or hitting the wall is when you've just got no energy left during a ride. So if you, if you ever get into that position, then obviously that's a sign that your fueling is poor. Um, another one, and I think it was mentioned um, as about when you get home, then you want to 
eat everything that you can see. Um, so um, generally, irrespective of the length of the ride, um, it, if you fueled well, then you should be in a position where you may be slightly hungry, but not necessarily wanting to eat everything. And that's the sign that you've fueled well on the ride. Um, so I think a couple a couple of things is um, I use the Super Sapiens um, um, continuous glucose um, monitor, which I'm sure some of you have heard of, um, for about 12 months. And I think one of the things I learned from there. Uh, Tarek, uh, was... before you go into it, uh, why don't you explain what it is uh, and then uh, explain your learnings as well? Yeah, sure. So the continuous glucose monitor is basically a adaptation of a sensor that's used for diabetic people. Um, so rather than kind of doing finger prick tests, which people generally have done for many, many years to check their blood glucose levels, they in effect um, put a sensor into their arm. Um, so it's a sensor that sticks on top of your arm, but there is a probe which goes into underneath your skin. And that can basically um, um, give you your glucose measurements. Um, Super Sabians took that and they in effect worked with um, Liber Abbott which are the sensor makers um, to produce like a sports version, which allows you to in effect see your glucose levels through an app um, live basically. And then there's integration with like the Garmin head unit and with the Wahoo head unit now as well, um, which meant basically you can see what, what's happening inside your body as you ride. Um, so that to me was fascinating. I'm a bit of a data junkie. So that, so that for me was fascinating just to see like what was happening. Um, and as I said, the key thing there was one that we use much more energy than we think. And obviously that the more intense we ride, um, the, uh, the rate at which you use your carbohydrates is much more than we imagine. Um, um, so that's kind of one thing is don't think that you don't use energy irrespective of a one-hour ride, two-hour ride, or four-hour, eight-hour ride, you're consuming huge amounts of energy. Um, secondly, and it's been touched upon by um, other people on the pod, is about planning your rides. So I think it's really important to plan your rides and, and plan the nutrition on the ride. Um, so thinking about what ride you're going to do, how long is it going to take, is there a cafe stop in the ride, when is the cafe stop, uh, and making sure that you then take enough fuel with you um thirdly try different foods so i think Janaid, you mentioned about the fact is that we can't can't all eat 60 to 90 grams because we're not used to it um so it's important to try different foods fuels maybe start with 30 grams um and then try to increase the amount that we eat and just see what the benefits are and as we and as we've said um the science has shown at the kind of more we eat, the the faster we can get or the more performant we can be. And it's not always about speed. It's, it's, it's for me being about getting to the end of the ride and feeling strong and being able to complete it and getting home in a safe place. Um, and then I think the fourth thing for me is about taking an interest in the food. Not everything needs to be a cycle product, uh, which generally carries a bit of a price tag with it. Um, most things you can get from a supermarket um so take an interest in there take an interest in there and yeah try different foods things that you might like some people hate saurine bars and wouldn't touch it with the barge pole whereas i like them <laughs> um um so yeah try those different things 
and and kind of just just I mean and also that if if there is a loop that you do I don't know most of us will do either a weekly ride or a loop that we do try fueling it differently each time and just see what the impact is just see how you feel try to take more of an interest in that and I think that can really help um I think finally is look at what you eat pre I know that we all got different regimes and different approaches to it but again think about what you can eat pre and also not something that we've touched on a lot so far but what do we eat after the ride as well is is as important again our glycogen stores no matter how much we feel will still be lower than they should be so we still need carbohydrates we need um we need protein so we can so repair ourselves and then having good vegetables and other things can help just generally to keep us propped up and again Jeanette that you mentioned there about getting ill often people become ill because their bodies don't have enough within them to be able to repair themselves effectively enough uh, as well so nutrition is really important for on the bike and off the bike as well yeah definitely uh, and there's a few things just to add there like um the better you fuel and recover um no the better you fuel the better you, rec- you recover the better you can do the next set of intervals or the next ride and therefore build stronger and then the cycle continues right and you get stronger and stronger of course there's a time where you need rest but generally speaking uh better you feel the better you recover um there's some questions or rather one question um no actually there's a few from instagram so arif asks when is it best to consume uh he he says you can you should take about 100 grams of carbs he does understand but when is it best to consume and uh i don't think we actually mentioned that but it's um i generally like we we talked about we have something in the bottle uh so you're constantly taking a sip so you're getting a little little uh top up then but every 20 minutes half an hour um i'm yeah. I'm, I'm putting like something down myself how do you guys do it yes yeah, same so i think some of the research has shown that optimal is about every 20 minutes yeah um every half mm. hour is fine but i mean again you you could eat 60 grams in one like every hour if you want to um but it's not as optimal as splitting it every 20 minutes gotcha. uh, just because it's given generally that that kind of um i would say a more uh gradual um intake of fuel rather than a big hit and then your body has to deal with it as well and again with the super sapien stuff that's seen you can see the benefits where your blood glucose levels are a lot more stable uh, rather than being spiky. Yeah, yeah. On, on, uh, for me, what I do is uh, on my bike computer, I've got a Wahoo, and I'm sure you can do it in Garmin's as well. I've seen it done. Um, you can actually set up like a timer uh, that reminds you that beeps uh, every, let's say, 20 minutes or every 10 kicks right. is what I have. Is that those custom alert or something, Taj? Sorry, um, no, I think, yeah, it's a custom alert. Yeah, on Wahoo, it's called custom alert, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Garmin, I'm sure it has an equivalent as well, but it basically beeps to remind you that, you know, you can, I mean, obviously the alerts can be, you know, customized to whatever you want it to say. Uh, But for example, for me, I've usually got like, oh, have a sip of water or something. Um, So it's like a reminder to make sure, you know, um, you're you're fueling and hydrating correctly uh, and not forgetting about it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, there's another part, uh, of all of this as well um, there's a whole separate discussion uh, probably at another podcast and probably not us leading it on uh, things like ketosis or fat high fat diet because Zahir 
he's a proponent of that and he's talking about his him being worried about Asians having diabetes and should we be pushing a hub high carb uh diet so on the bike i think it's absolutely fine um of course if you're burning it all off uh but i i know a few riders i've actually ridden with someone who did a century with me and all he had was water plain water and he didn't eat or uh, drink anything else the whole ride um and he was on the whole i don't understand it completely myself and hence i won't go into it because it's not my time or place but He's on the ketosis diet, on the high fat diet. So he basically uh, tapped into his fat reserves and uh, yeah, um, did the ride without fueling effectively. Or yeah, have you have you guys looked into that at one? Um, yeah, so I mean, I think um, in terms of um, your stores, fat is one of the stores that you can tap into, um, but it's obviously not as efficient as say tapping into your glycogen and glucose stores um so yeah it 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 is something i've looked into um but more as a supplementary and i think when you're doing more endurance based riding which over longer term there are ways to kind of train your body um to start using fat as a store um and obviously as you do longer rides maybe at a lower intensity then your body will that will will then generally use your more of your fat stores than it would in a more high intensity so i think that there are some thoughts on it um i still probably feel that um no matter what riding you're doing um carbohydrates are king and we need to use them yeah absolutely um i'm of of that same thinking as well right uh if you want to i don't know be at the top of your performance uh or basically uh perform at your best it has to be carb fueled uh there are obviously triathletes who fuel on ketosis and whatnot but as a cyclist you're not doing say 10 hour um 10 hour rides where it's uh endurance based the whole time um there'll be efforts hills etc so you want you want carbs to burn uh to get yourself up um and then just to finish up then uh there is perhaps not much research being done on this but i i think uh stacy sims is the leading uh, uh researcher on this currently but um up until now all the research has been on fueling has been done on white caucasian males um not much on females and uh just uh to mention that really um that research is still being done uh but if you effectively have lost your cycle, then there's something significant, significantly wrong. Uh, and uh, you probably need to get that checked out. That shouldn't be happening if you're getting into cycling. Um, but it's something that happens very common, uh, especially to riders within British cycling on the professional side and uh, perhaps even amateurs if you are getting into it. A whole lot more and you're not really fueling but um in terms of fueling when on the cycle and whatnot like i said research is still being done and that's probably uh worth a different podcast in the future uh once things come out or perhaps not even our time and place but uh perhaps zainab can go into that in the future um and then that's that's it from our side really uh unless you've got more Tarek. uh no that's everything from me yeah. thanks a lot everyone it's been a great pod yeah, absolutely. And uh, guys, don't forget to like, subscribe and uh, hit that 
uh, and of course share it with your friends if you found it useful guys assalamu alaikum